0: Alhamdulillahi <laughs> wa kutaf. Al-Salamu alaikum wa barakatuh. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Kha'ala bin Nasa wa s Al-Rajim wa s-sasrullah ala ala r-raheem. Ar-raki fa'inna zikratenza ala mu'mineen. Subhana wa s-dikratenza amma Wa'ana'a aami fila naa muhammadina wa ba'ala wa sallam. Allahumma salli yanaa fila naa muhammadina wa ba'ala wa sallam. Tonight what we wanted to talk about was two of the reasons why many people feel a sadness or a depression in their heart, and how we can purify our heart from these two diseases, the first one in Arabic is called amo. amal. Tulul amal means to have long, drawn-out anticipation and expectations for the future. And sometimes what happens is, is that a person has so many plans that they make for the near future, medium future, far future, yeah. and those plans, when they don't come, when they don't go according to plan, then they become sad, and okay. they become depressed, and they despair. And Allah SWT actually wanted that we should have a plan, but that should be for a distant future, and that is known as the akhirah. Okay. And the more and more existing plans for their distant future, called the akhirah. The less a person is going to feel sad and depressed when their plans for the near future don't fall together. Now this doesn't mean that a person shouldn't have ideas or plans for the future, especially if their plans are related to one's own spiritual development. Many people alhamdulillah have plans that I hope in the future are pray to or that I hope in the future are memorized more Qur'an or maybe even that I hope in the future that I become a hafiz or a hafiz of Qur'an, or that I hope in the future I learn more ilm of the deen. All of those are good plans. But one will find that even the plans that we have for our own development or for our own deen sometimes don't come together as we originally wanted or don't manifest themselves at the pace or speed that we originally wanted. Mm-hmm. So this is one of the features of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in the language of the sowas, Imam al-Balin has explained this, in which he has said that Allah subhanahu is a, a That the real doer, the real actor is Allah mm-hmm. subhanahu wa It means that ultimately what prevails in any person's life is the will and wish of Allah subhanahu But because we don't know what that will and wish is of Allah subhanahu so we make use of asbab, us, we make use of means and processes, and, you know, we make an effort to try to attain whatever we're trying to attain, both in deen and dunya, because we don't know the wishing will of Allah ta'ala, So we try to attain so many things, but we will only be able to obtain and actually attain those things that Allah ta'ala will and wished us to have. It's very interesting that in this day and age, for many people, this causes a confusion. And they don't understand that I'm only going to get what Allah Ta'ala wishes and wills for me to have, so what is the purpose of me striving for that? Whereas when you look at Imam al and all of the people in Tasawwuf, they understood this perfectly, and they didn't see any contradiction here at all, and they didn't see any paradox here at all, and they didn't see any find it confusing at all. In fact, they viewed this very concept of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala being finally Hakiki. they viewed this concept as a means to make us responsible for the effort. And this is what the deen teaches us with the teachings of Wahi, Quran, Kitab, the teachings of Nabuwat, Sunnah, and Hadith. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala teaching us how to make efforts in what direction to make effort, for what things we should be striving for, what are to be our aims and objectives and goals in life, and all our job is to make that effort, the outcome is up to and dependent on and entirely left to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when a person understands this, then, even though they may still make plans for their deen, and then even make some plans for the dunya, but then they will be able to be free from what they call they will not have so many expectations and hope in their plans coming together. Instead, they will realize that, no, my job is simply to strive and to try to earn, to work, to do mujahidah on my nafs and leave uh, Allah, leave the outcome on Allah taala. And the second way, So the first way that we can remove this disease from our heart is understanding that Allah's fault is is ba'ali hakiki. And the second way is to remember death. To remember death, that we are going to die, that nothing in this world will last forever, that ultimately everything in this world will come to an end. Therefore, every single thing that we are seeking and we are striving for and we are yearning for all of those things are also funny. All of those things will also come to an end. But most importantly, our own life will also come to an end. Okay. Now, what a person can do is think that, okay, what are those things that will benefit me after I die? So that is number one, a a righteous act, a good deed. Because so then a person would have, instead of a craving and yearning for the things in this world, a person would start having a craving and yearning to have a'mal of salihah, uh, to have good deeds and righteous actions, because it will benefit a person after they pass away. The second thing is that Nabiya Ya Kareen, has mentioned that there are a few things that if a person leaves them, there a few things that will benefit a person even after they pass away. And this is often mentioned in the Persian tradition of Pasoas in the form of a parable, that one person passed an old man who was planting a tree. And he just planted a seed of a tree, and it would take years for that tree to grow and develop into a full tree, and then more years before it would produce any fruit. And obviously that old man was so old, so somebody who passed him by and told him that old man, this tree... The seed that you're planting, the tree that will grow from it will never be of any benefit for you because you will most likely die before that tree bears any fruit. Okay. So the old man replied that those who came before me planted seeds and we were able to benefit from them. Okay. So we should also plant seeds so that the generations after us might benefit from them. Okay. And this is the concept that Sayyidina Rasulullah explained to us that if a person plants a seed that may continue to bear fruit after a person passes away, then that will benefit a person even after they die.
1: Mm-hmm. So the
0: first seed that he mentioned was a Sadaqa Tanjariya, a charity that continues to last and benefit people even after we pass away. Mm-hmm. So maybe an endowment that a person makes it may be even giving a few rupees, few dollars, few pounds, few rand to a masjid. And then, even if you give, it doesn't matter how much you give. Even if it's a small amount, we would have a share in that masjid. And all the people who make ibadah in that masjid, all the people who make talawah in that masjid, all the people who make sadzah in that masjid, all of the good words and mesiha that are spoken in that masjid, heard in that masjid, all of the du'as that are offered in that masjid, all of those things, some share, some portion of that, you would have to share in it. And that's why you will find that this kind of charity, giving away, even if it's a small amount of money, but with this niya, with this intention, and this awareness and this consciousness that I'm doing this to obtain for myself a sadaka ajarya, to get something that will benefit me after my death. This is something that we should all try to do. So whatever, any masjid, any madrasa, any effort for the deen, anything that in our deen is viewed as a charity, even if we give a little bit to it, we give it to all any and all opportunities that we have, and we have that awareness. That this my intention for doing so, that will benefit me after I die, then this is that beneficial type of remembrance of death. This is the way a person uses remembrance of death as means of preparation for the al preparation for the afterlife, life. And then the more and more a person does this, then the less they will be worried about their plans for this world coming together, because they will already be been making long-term plans for the al mm-hmm. So the first thing that Nabi Yath-Areen mentioned in the Hadith was that charity that will last and continue to benefit others, even after we pass away, we will continue to benefit from such a charity even after we die. Okay. The second thing is a knowledge that a person leaves behind that people continue to benefit from. That could mean teaching uh, someone who then does Amal on that own even after he pass away or transmits that knowledge further onward to people who do Amal on it even after they passed away. Or it can mean penning down knowledge in the form of books or recordings or in any way, shape, or form the people will continue to benefit from. So if a person makes that Nia, it could even mean printing or making a transcript or reproducing or Xeroxing, even if we're not able, we don't have the knowledge ourselves to disseminate, but if we become part of the process of the sharing and distribution of knowledge, and again, we do all of those things with the Nia and the intention, consciousness, and awareness but this is something that's going to benefit me after I die. And that is the way that we are able to remember death beneficially because it makes us more focused on preparation for the after. Okay. And the third thing uh, okay. that Nabiya Karim Sallam also mentioned, and not in a particular order, is and Sallam, a righteous child, a pious, upright child, be that male or female son or daughter. And this shows the emphasis in our deen that we should all have, and many of us, and even myself, we sometimes fail to do it uh, as much as we should and as much as, much as we please Allah, Subhanahu wa ta'ala, the most. And that is to spend time on our own families uh, and spend time on our own children, on the tarbiyah and the raising and upbringing and moral training and spiritual training of our children. This is what tarbiyah is. Raising and upbringing with not just moral training, but also spiritual training of our children. And such children when they grow even when we may have passed away, all of their acts and actions and good deeds would all benefit the parents. And some commentators have taken this to extend for endless generations until Yom bin. In other words, that if somebody trains their child in Qur'an, Sunnah, Sharia and then their child grows up to become a parent. And, can, and then themselves give dini education to their own their children to the person's the grandchildren, and even the sholom of what the grandchildren do will be given to the person because of the training that they give for their own children. Okay. So these are the kind of plans. The more we make plans for the ahsanah, and the more we make plans for our Deen the less we will feel bad if any of our plans for the dunya don't come together. So it doesn't mean a person cannot make any plans whatsoever for this world, but our plans for the akhir should be the most, our plans for our own development in the deen, and Amal on deen, and Tawfiq in deen should be second, and our plans for dunya should be the third. And you would find that the exact opposite in the godless age that we live in people who are secular atheists and secular agnostics, they only live for this world. Because there's no Acha in their concept. So all of their planning is based on this world. And those Muslims who are affected by this godless secularism, they also sometimes display the same characteristics. They're always concerned about their career and then what type of home they will have. And even when they get a home, they already start planning their second home What will be the next better home? They live in perfectly nice houses. Nonetheless, they decide to buy an even bigger house or build an even bigger house. They're constantly spending time and effort and money and they're constantly putting their hopes and dreams and plans and aspirations in the dunya. And for them, that's the most. And the best of them may have some plans for their being, and may have even slight plans for the Akhira. So a person who lives a life like that It's going to be full of this illness called Tule Amal. What instead we want is we want to have lots of plans for the Akhirah, second-most plans for Ardeel, and third-most plans for dunya. And if a person has that, then they won't feel so sad when any hope that they have for this world or any expectation they have in this world did not come did not go according to plan, did not come according to their plan. Okay. This is why Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa even in terms of his own dini plan, in other words, when he had hopes and aspirations in the early days uh, of his Nabuwa, he spread the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and he had so many plans and how the people of Makkah Muqarama would accept iman and would accept Islam. And in the initial period, initial one, two years, there's very few people in Makkah Muqarama were responsive, and then he went to Taif, and he was hopeful that, okay, maybe the people of Taif will respond, and then they weren't responsive, and then so he made this wonderful du'a to Allah ta'ala. Everybody, I think, you know, you can, everyone can find this du'a, you Google it, it's a du'a that Nabiya Karimsa made at Daif. you can find it in Arabic or English, and, you know, one of the most beautiful things about that du'a is that he said that Oh Allah, if you are not angry with me, as long as you are not angry with me, then I don't care what you make happen in my life. I don't care if all of my plans break, everything goes against my plan. I want all the disguise of the plan to spread your Deen and your message, and no single person of fact accepted it. So things are not going according to my plan, it makes no difficult to me as. As long as I have not incurred your anger, as long as you are not upset with me, if you are pleased with me, as long as you are pleased with me, then I am happy with whatever in the world happens in my life. Yes. And this is, you know, a dua that we should read. And we should try to read this doa. I, some people used to read this every day. They used to pray to a and two, and just read this dua. Aside after of after those two of the or read it without making those, those, those surakats, that we should try to make the words and the meanings of this Qur'an, the state and the feeling of our heart. And that's really, again, I've been mentioning this several times in the past few weeks, that the whole purpose of deen is to make the words and meanings of Quran and Sunnah become the states and feelings of our heart. And this du'a is a wonderful way to start and all of the du'as that are going that are mentioned in the books are wonderful ways to start It makes us understand how Allah wants us to feel how Allah wants our emotional state to be and that is that yes we make use of the asbam in this world we do have sometimes plans for this world but all of our hope are in the Akhirah. All of our anticipation and preparation is for the Akhirah. All of our expectations and dreams and desires are in the Akhirah. It's very short-term planning. You know, like the way a person would maybe say, okay, let me plan what I'm going to do today. Or let me plan what I'm going to do tomorrow in the next 24 hours. That level, and if whatever happens doesn't happen, they don't get very sad about it. That's how a Muslim is about their whole life. That they may make plans about their whole life, but they view their whole life as just one day. And just like a person when we make a to-do list for today or tomorrow and not everything happens, we don't get sad or depressed. Just like that, a Muslim plans their whole life like that. This whole lifetime that we've been given is nothing more than just a day or two, is nothing more than just one or two to-do lists of today and tomorrow. Now, okay. when a person starts working on themselves like this and starts reducing their expectations and anticipations from this world and starts becoming a person of Sodakajarya, starts becoming a person who tries to acquire and leave behind knowledge or assist others in leaving behind knowledge that will benefit others. A person who tries to raise their children according to the teachings of being so they can leave behind a legacy of descendants that will support them with a person who remembers that Allah صلى الله is When a person does these things, then they will also find that their strength for Ibadah will increase. That their desire to do Ibadah will increase. That their desire to do anything and everything that is part of the will increase. And they won't become against the world or against the dunya or negligent of the world. No. Mm-hmm. But the more important concern and the thing more dear to their heart will be the akhirah. Mm-hmm. So in our deen, Nabi Ya islam, there is no monasticism in the deen of Islam. We will not renounce the world altogether. We will not be against being in the world. But our hope and our heart lies in the Afghira. Our mind and our body and our work and limited sense, our plans may lie in this world, but all of our hopes and expectations and our heart and our emotions, all of them are based on our Afghira on the next life. Okay. Now, the Me'a Karim, on the other hand, also in the hadith told us that we should not desire death. We should not pray for death. Because again this is part of the same philosophy that Imam Albanatan mentioned that Allah calls find the Hakiki. But the decree of our death that is the sole domain of Allah SWATA. It's part of our tawheed that not just Allah Santa alone knows when we will die, but Allah SWATA alone has the sovereign right to decree and determine and decide when we will die. Yeah. So it's not in our being that a person wants to renounce this world or wishes to die or wants to die. Rather a person leaves the moment of their death also up to Allah subhanahu sure. wa ta'ala entirely. And the way a person lives this life, lives in this life, is mentioned by Allah SWT in the Qur'an, that they have a hope to meet Allah, but at the same time they fear meeting Allah. Mm-hmm. And that's what keeps them in balance. Allah SWT mentions in different places in Qur'an, that person who hopes to meet their Rabb, that person who yearns to meet their luck, but at the same time, a person also has a hope and fashiyah. A person has a fear of fault, Allah, a fear of the judgment day, a fear of the reckoning and the accounting for every single thing that they did. And that is why, you see, if a person had just hope, then they would yearn for their death. Okay. If a person had just fear, they would flee from death. And so the balance lies in between. That a person has hope to meet Allah SWT and hope to meet Him in His, and, and be drowned and purified in His rahmah and His mercy. But at the same time when a person looks at their own achievements and accomplishments, at their own acts and actions, at their own book of deeds, in that sense a person has fear of meeting Allah SWT because they have fear of presenting themselves in front of Allah. And the way this is resolved is by leaving this as well up to Allah, that Allah Taala is the final hakiki. He will determine when exactly we will die.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: therefore, because it's something that's not even in my ikhbiya, it's not in my ability, it's something that I can neither absolutely hope for, nor something I can absolutely fear, that the life I will live on this world will be balanced between hope and fear. Mm-hmm. So we mentioned several things again, remembrance of death, mm-hmm. preparation for the hereafter,
1: mm-hmm.
0: feeling in our heart mm-hmm. hope, feeling in our heart a fear, as well as, as well as leaving behind things or trying already, no matter how young we may be, mm-hmm. to do such actions or give such charities or acquire or disseminate some knowledge yeah. that will benefit us after we pass away. Mm-hmm. So the first of the illnesses of the heart that sometimes people have is it has overly, over, too many expectations and hopes and aspirations for this world and too little hopes and aspirations and yearnings for the next life. And that is something that will make a person then fall into depression because it's guaranteed that all of our plans and all of our dreams and all of our hopes for this world aren't going to happen, aren't going to bear fruit. So okay. what we do want is that all of our hopes, and aspirations and dreams for the office of the next room,
1: okay. that they
0: should all come to fruit. And okay. the second illness of the heart that sometimes leads many people to depression, is having negative thoughts.
1: Okay. This is
0: what we call su-ism, okay. to be pessimistic, to think ill of others to think ill of this world, to think negatively, sometimes people think negatively about Deen itself and Al Aman Allah save us and preserve us. Some people even think negatively about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and So negative thoughts. Bad opinions about people, having assumptions about people, having suspicions, harbouring suspicions about people having doubts about people. And this is harmful both to our relationships with others and it's also harmful to our own spiritual development. It's harmful to our own hearts. This is an illness that affects both ourselves as individuals and negatively affects ourselves as individuals and also negatively affects us as a community, as a society. It's one of those illnesses of the heart that affect a person in their ability to fulfill the fukukul law and also affect the person's ability to be true to all the fukukul ibad. Sure. And this is something that a lot of the Mashiach of the south have written about or spoken about, what is called Su Izan in Arabic, or Bad Gubani in Urdu, or to have negative thoughts and pessimistic thinking about everything and everyone. Uh, in our mind or in our heart. Now, there can be two ways this may happen. Number one is that a person feels negatively about somebody without any reason, without cause. Yeah. Now, normally the reason for this is envy. Normally the reason for this is envy, that the real reason a person has negative thoughts about somebody, when there's no cause, there's no reason. At some moment, that cause and reason. I mean that sometimes a person may actually behave poorly. They have certain bad characteristics, or have treated us poorly, or displayed some bad behavior that makes us have negative thoughts about them. So that is is it. So we we'll come to around the moment that that question arises: Is it okay to have negative thoughts about somebody when you have cause? In mm-hmm. the first instance, sometimes people even have to izan. Have negative cause, a bad opinion, are pessimistic about somebody without any cause whatsoever, not due to any sinful behavior on the part of that other person, but without any cause whatsoever. This is considered a very deep illness of the heart okay. to think badly about people, and the, without any cause. And the reason for that is normally hafid okay. that a person has envy or jealousy for that person, or the second reason is what we're complaining is called frustration or the same thing that I mentioned at the outset was that we had ex- false expectations from that person that were not able to be realized. So either it is due to hasad or it is due to the false expectations. And when we have this envy, and especially when it's for that cause, it doesn't lead to backbiting. Because backbiting is something you normally do, you talk about somebody, because you have something factual to say bad about them. Mm -hmm. Here it's a case where it's without cause. Sometimes this is even more sinister, because in the Hussar, it's like a a flame. It's like a fire. Mm -hmm. And the fire of envy keeps burning in a person's heart. It can't even express itself in backbiting, because there is nothing bad Mm you to say about this person. So... All they do is they keep them feeling bad about this person. They have more and more bad feelings, more and more suspicions, doubts, etc. And that really opens up and that really destroys a person's spirituality. And it also makes a person feel depressed. Having bad thoughts about others actually makes a person be very depressed about themselves. And sometimes a person has these negative thoughts, not without cause, but due to something. And this is what Nabiya Karim's fellow from to explain to us in the very well-known Hadith about Reba, the backbiting, that he told the Sahaba Karam not to speak ill of another person behind their back. And one Sahaba asked the Prophet, what if it's true? What if what I'm saying is true, factually? The Prophet said that even then, you shouldn't say it. So, but even if there, even if it's true, you shouldn't say anything with your tongue, and that means all the more so that even if something is true, we shouldn't feel it in our heart. Okay. Again, that if the Vajra taught us that even if we know that there's something negative about someone, and we know, and we're true in that knowledge, even then we shouldn't say something. Negative about that person with our tongue, because an opposite means that if we do know something negative about someone, that we shouldn't feel negatively about them in our heart, that being that will not allow us to even say something negative about them with our tongue, how in the world would that being allow us to feel something negative about them in our heart? Mm-hmm. So having negative feelings, pessimistic feelings, bad thoughts for per a person, This will eat away. It eats away at a person's spirituality. Sometimes it can even eat away at a person's sanity. Now, it doesn't mean that a person should be trusting of every single person. No. A person can be careful and cautious and should be careful and cautious about whom they form close relationships with, whom they trust upon, whom they depend upon, whom they rely upon, but, notwithstanding them being cautious, they shouldn't have a negative opinion about anyone. In the fact, in the Hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, he said, that having Khosna's of Allah ta'ala and Khosna's of Ibadullah, of the servants and of Allah are two things is that if a moment has them, you could not have anything better than that. In other words, the Sadiqah says that the two of the best things that a mu'min can have is Husnizan about Allah SWT and Husnizan about Ibadullah, about the servants and of Allah SWT. This is another major reason why we shouldn't allow ourselves to have negative opinion of others. Because when we do that, then pessimism becomes a part of our tabiyya, part of our nature, part of our temperament. And then it's only a matter of time for shaitan is not to actually make us have negative thoughts about Allah Ta'ala Whereas that person who is always positive, always optimistic about others, they will always be positive and optimistic about Allah Ta'ala okay. And that person who is always negative and pessimistic about others, it's only a matter of time when they will find occasion to be negative and pessimistic about Allah Ta'ala or Kitabullah or about Rasulullah <clears throat> So this is another reason why it's critical, that we learn to train our heart and our mind to remain always positive thinking, always optimistic about others, always seeking out their good attributes, their virtues, and be willing to overlook their vices, or their neglects, or their shortcomings. And by doing so, the more and more we have khusmizan about the ibadah of Allah, obviously it would be very easy to have khusmizan about Allah subhanahu wa because when we have khusmizan and we think positively about creation, but creation is not perfect, and it would be extremely easy to think positively about Allah subhanahu that was perfect. And this is very important because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in it's very well-known Hadith Qudsi that we mention many times on the program as well, the Prophet ﷺ said that Allah ﷺ said, That I will treat my servant and slave according to their Zan, according to their opinion and outlook and conception of me. If, in other words, what that means is that if they view Allah positively, then Allah will be with them in such a positive way. And if they were to view Allah ﷺ in some negative term, Again, may Allah ta'ala save and preserve all of us from doing any such thing, then they may actually be dealt with vile thoughts and deal with them negatively, in other words, in a stern manner, in a punishing manner.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Therefore, we should also try to remove negative thoughts, false finding, false exposing, nitpicking, always being critical, looking at people with a critical eye, Another sign that a person has is that they notice criticism. That person who notices, who is acutely aware of criticism, means that they're actually acutely critical of themselves. What does that mean? That they always notice that so-and-so is finding fault in others. So-and-so had this critique to offer. So-and-so was upset about this. So-and-so felt a down about that. More and more, a person is acutely aware of, of others' Suism, that is a sign that they have a lot of on inside themselves. And that person who is unaware, says, Oh, I didn't even realize that they were upset about that, or I never knew that they were so negative, or I never knew they were being so pessimistic. The less and less aware they are of others' on means that they have less Suism inside themselves. And that person will be very happy. And that person will be free from a lot of the tensions and depression that people fall into when they themselves harbor negative thoughts and they are also always aware of all the negative thoughts people have. I'll give you an example that sometimes you will give a talk and there'll be a hundred people there and one person, because they have a lot of serious on themselves, they will notice or, and they will come to you and tell you later that, oh, so-and-so wasn't paying attention or so many people were distracted. Because they have negativity in their personality, they notice the negative things. And that person who has positive thinking in their personality, then they will say that, oh, so many people were listening attentively, or I saw this one person crying, or I saw this one person saying that they are really affected. Because they have positive feelings in themselves, they notice the positive aspects of others. And that person who has negative feelings in themselves, they will always notice the negative aspects in others. So these are two things we wanted to talk about briefly tonight. Number one was do le amal, the amal, not to have long hopes and expectations in this world. And the second was not to have su not to have negative thinking, pessimistic thinking, negative thoughts, and bad opinions about others. We hope and pray that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives all of us the to, to remove these two illnesses from our hearts so that we will ourselves be more spiritually pure, and more spiritually at peace, mm-hmm. and we will also be a means and a source of tranquility and peace and ease for others. Mm-hmm. Ya Allah, we ask You to purify our heart from all unlawful and unlawful anger, purify from all ill and hatred and purify our hearts from all types of anger, ill will, malice, spite, hatred towards others. Ya Allah, we ask You to purify our heart from all negative thinking, mm-hmm. from all pessimistic thinking. Mm-hmm. Ya Allah, we wish not to see the critics. We wish not to see their critiques. Mm-hmm. We wish not to see the faults in others. We wish not to find the faults in others. Mm-hmm. Ya Allah, give us an eye that notices the beauty and virtue in this world. And give us an eye that's unaware of the vice and negativity in this world. Ya Allah, give us a heart that feels positive feelings in this world that kind a heart to perceive the positive aspects and the good aspects of all of those that are around us. Ya yeah, Allah, we ask that you protect our hearts
1: mm-hmm. from this
0: evil of negative thoughts and to izan. That you mm-hmm. protect and purge our heart from this evil of having long hopes and expectations of this mm-hmm. world. Ya yeah, Allah, we ask that you accept from all of us to be people of Sadaqa to become people who lead ilm al-Nazi for others, become people who train, and raise our children and their descendants so that each and every one of them is truly a wal of un salih is a righteous child of ours, a grandchild of ours, a great-grandchild of ours. Ya Rabbi Kareem, we ask that you put our hearts and hopes in you and in the akhirah, and that you take away our hearts and hopes from this world and from the people of this world. Ya Bana, minna, inna alim wa alayna inna وَسَلَّ اللَّهُ وَسَعَانَ عَلَى حَبِيْبِهِ سيدنا مُحْمَدٍ وَعَلَى آلِهِ وَأَصْحَابِهِ أَجْمَعِينَ فِي رَحْمَتَكَيَّا عَلْحَمَرْ رَاحِمِينَ آمِن